Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. There was a movie several years ago called 12 Years a Slave. In many ways, that could be the story of city council member and current candidate for re-election, Peter Mott. He has spent 12 years on the city council. That's a lot of meetings. And now he wants to do it again. As you know, there's lots of newbies nipping in his heels. And as we've witnessed with the Board of Supervisors, sometimes new blood is a very good thing. But so is institutional memory and experience. And that's the potential dilemma for Peter Mott as voters make their choice for the Napa City Council on November 6th. Seeking his fourth term on the Napa City Council, it is my pleasure to welcome Peter Mott here to Napa Broadcasting. Peter, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Jeff. Happy to be here. Well, it's good to have you here. Twelve years is a lot of meetings. You did two years on the Planning Commission. I think it was two years before that. Yep. So that's 14 years of meetings at City Hall. Why the hell do you want to do this again? And a year of CDBG, believe it or not, which is only a couple of meetings a year, but that was my my fairly early one. Um, you know, we're in an interesting place. And so I think um, looking at where the city is and, and where I hope the city's going, we're, we're partway there. Um, uh, we have a general plan in front of us shortly, and, and that's really important to me. I spent two years working on the downtown specific plan uh, about four or five years ago. And so that, that concept of really laying out a, um, a, a plan for the, next, for the next 20 years, but really for the next five or six years, you know, uh, specifically, is, is important to me. Um, I think that where we have a lot of uh, newer members, we're certainly going to have a new member for sure um, this time on the council. Scott's been there for six years now and and doris has only been there for two so uh, some of that knowledge of over time that uh, that i've built up over the last 12 years uh, much like the mayor is uh, is valuable i think to the city there also is something i mean in the board of supervisors is a good example of this there is something to be said for new blood bringing new blood in occasionally yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, you know, without a doubt, we're, we're going to have somebody new, uh, just like when we put Mary on the council, uh, when uh, Alfredo got moved up to the Board of Supervisors, you know, she brought a whole different uh, perspective and, and an aspect, I think, to the council then. Uh, it was a, an interesting time. And now uh, I think, you know, we're going to see that again, certainly with uh, at least one member. I'm hoping that I'll be there to to help as well. But um, it, it does. It does change uh, particularly when you have people, you know, with, with me and Scott and, and uh, uh, Doris and, and the mayor, you know, we're all, um, our kids are, are at college or, or gone. My kids are still in college, but uh, the rest of them have grown children. And, and so, you know, some of these young people, uh, Ricky doesn't have any kids, but, but Bernie has children and Mary has young children. They're, they certainly bring a different sort of I think focus when I first was on the council 12 years ago, that's part of what I thought I was bringing to the council was this, this family focus and this need to be able to say, Hey, what are we doing for families besides, you know, what we're just, you know, police stations are great and paving streets are great and, and fire stations, um, uh, and you know, budgets are good, but what else are we doing? And so, uh, that's true. Having some new young blood in there would be a positive. And how has the council changed in the 12 years that you've been around? And as we said, you were on the Planning Commission for two years before that. So, I mean, you've seen it up close and personal for 14 long years now. How is it different? Not how the city is different, because I want to talk about that in a bit, but how is the council, how is the process, how is the chemistry different? 
You know, it, it's it's only just now are we really seeing a change. You, if you think back, we went six years, six straight years without a change in the council. And that was a really interesting time because we were so solid and able to move forward without having kind of these little hiccups or these little uh, distractions, I guess you would call them. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that, you know, people um, have their own kind of philosophies that are trying to move forward. So during that time, when we did the downtown specific plan, Juliana and I ran or served 10 years straight together. And then, uh, and of course, the mayor's been there. And then... Um, Mike Parnes was there for that full mm-hmm. for that full ten years, eleven years, and so that time was really this 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 period of time from when I got on the council up till now was this really solid time where we I think we got a lot done um, in in the community and really got you know ourselves um, financially in in a much 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 better place. Um, we're able to find a path I think forward where we could uh, make sure that. You know, no matter how bad the the uh, earthquake or flood or uh, fire, you know, we could withstand that and get through that uh, to this place today where now we have um, a new city manager in there, uh, Steve, who came up through the ranks, who's a local guy who has a very different philosophy. And uh, certainly Scott, in many ways, Scott's the same way. Scott's been there six years now, but Scott has, you know, a, a more, hey, up through the ranks of the fire department, uh, kind of this, this much more very, 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 um, uh, in, you know, grounded philosophy in, 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 in part in history and part in, in uh, community. So, yeah, was, I think we're going to take a little different path now from where we've been. And is the city of Napa a better place today than it was 12 years ago, in your opinion? It, it's a be- I, absolutely. It's a better place today than it was 12 years ago. Um, you know, it's funny. You, you always get people complain. So people complain when First Street was empty and everybody has had all the storefronts are empty and this is horrid. Gordon Huther came in and put up sort of fake displays and all our storefronts on First, if you remember this. Oh, yes. Uh, you, you know, and, and it, was, it was just like, what can we do to spruce it up a little? And, of course, now people complain because it's too busy and there's no parking and there's too many tourists on the streets. And um, But, you know, if you look at it from the aspect that, that – I do where we really worked hard to do again the downtown specific plan in 2008 we had a you know horrible downturn in the economy where we had to sit down and say okay what are we cutting and what can we do we never laid off an employee we didn't fill a lot of positions but we never laid anybody off to now where we're fully staffed in our police department we build a fifth fire station which is extremely expensive when you got to put new nine new firefighters on to boot it's not the building of the station it's staffing um uh, all reserves are fully funded, so you know it, uh, we're in a position now where we we can um, you know and and let me get a little, a little bit further. A lot of people like to talk about streets and roads. You know we've really gone from uh, we can talk about what a PCI is, pavement condition index, or a measurement of your quality of pavement. 55, 10 years ago to a 70 now, and we're heading towards 80 because we have programs uh, in place to get us there. So I think all those things have got us to a place. We have challenges now that are different than they were then. When I first was on the council, we were talking about literally my campaign, and people then were talking about slow growth, a slow growth community, 1% growth. Uh, you know, and there was a lot of discussion what housing we were going to do, if any. And now it's 100% the other side, which is it's about not necessarily growth, but about housing and how we're going to house those people that work here. Do you think that that slow growth attitude that was prevalent for so long 
in some ways has contributed to the problems that we're seeing today? Do you think that there's a direct line? I, I think it was. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it was a direct line of. I mean, let me just put it this way: in, in the ten years, we didn't. I don't ever remember turning down, you know, a project because we thought it was too big for our community. You know, we never got that many projects in front of us from the downturn of the economy to the next two years to get out of it. So on through about 2010, we weren't just just weren't getting a lot of applications for housing. Um, and then, of course, we have the RUL around us, so single-family housing now is getting few and farther between because we just don't have that much land to develop on. So in terms of the uh, – I think what we didn't see was that – when we were successful building this tourist-based economy that we were going to have uh, a number of people that needed housing. Uh, I think it was out there and knowing that, but when it really started to come to a head in the last two or three years where these folks are commuting out to Fairfield and American Canyon and Vallejo, uh, and so it's a a two-headed sword there. Uh, We don't have the housing to house them here, and that's a real challenge, and we add to that the traffic they're creating when they're going in and out of town. So, yes, in some ways, I think if we re- if Napa Pipe came back today where it was when it first came here eight, nine years ago, um, you know, we might look at that differently in terms of the units. I think the public would say, gee, we should put more density and more units out there. And yet, as you remember, when that came forward back then, we we're like, nope, we've got to get down to 900 units. It's way too big at 1,500. Uh, you know, we're going to possibly build 400 units at, on the Gasser property. So. Yeah, it's different. Some impact, I think, but I think the bigger change was um, the, how strong the economy is and how many jobs we have here, both both in Napa. And remember, we house the whole valley, so all the winery jobs, all the you know uh, uh, tasting room jobs that are that are growing now as well. We're housing all those people. So, what is your sense of what's happening at Napa Pipe besides crickets? Well, no, no, you know, we got. I will promise people we got Costco coming forward. So. Uh, we had Costco in front of us. 2020 was the date they gave us. We think it's going to be 2021. Uh, I really think it'll be 2021, but uh, they they finished all their soil mitigation. It's all clean. They they sold off the rights. Or I'm not sure exactly how it works, but basically they, the, the, the housing development part of it's um, – I should know the name of the company. It starts with a C, but I can't think of them. They're a big, they're a big construction company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came in and presented in front of council about maybe some changes. A lot of the housing was down on the far side of the tracks down or close to the water. They're talking about bringing some of that single-family housing uh, back on this side of the tracks. It drives, the tracks basically bifurcate the site, and uh, I think because it gives them a chance to develop quicker. The, going over the tracks is a, big of a, cha- a bit of a challenge. So they're coming with some new ideas that they want to tweak the plan to, but we're still holding on the fire. First thing that has to be is Costco, and that that comes first. So uh, we we uh, you know I still am, haven't didn't hear from him for a long time. Uh, uh, Keith Rogel, uh, Keith went out and got married since then, and right. it's running around a little bit around the world. But I have talked to Keith a few times recently, and and they're moving Catalyst Development. That's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just moving slow, like so many things. Like so many things. Talk a little bit about the housing issue. And, and it's, you know, you talk to, and you've heard this, I mean, in forums and interviews, everybody wants to talk about housing. Yes, there's a need for housing. But there's a need in Napa as well as the entire Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, it's a national problem in a lot, of, a lot of places. But certainly in the Bay Area, it's a huge problem. We don't have the magic bullet to solve it any more than San Jose does or, you know, 10 other communities I could rattle off. 
What are your views about that realistically? I think that, um, you know, the one thing we have, I think, is we're, we're working towards solutions. And, and the, the most important one, um, and this came from the industry itself here, you know, much like, again, if you're in Mountain View and Google is your industry and tech is your industry, I think the, the folks at Google are stepping up and trying to figure out ways to help with housing. Here, our industry is tourism industry. We have the the certainly the uh, the, the vineyard folks have, have got their CSA4 where they do some funding. They're up in that, you know, per, per acre funding for CSA4. That's for the farm worker the housing. The farm worker housing. Um, and then we, um, we had our, ho- our, our hotel uh, folks get together, um, and they really come up with a, a, an idea. I talked to them a little bit early on about the possibility of doing a, a self-assessment, much like we do with the um, – uh, the uh, the TID the Tourist Improvement District. I was hoping we could come up with a with a, uh, a housing uh, hotel housing improvement district, but uh, fair housing law precludes that from happening. That was a little bit of a challenge. So instead, they basically came to the cities and said, "We'd like to help you coordinate a campaign um, that would add one percent to our to the TOT rate, the one percent that goes on top of your tax rate. I'm sorry, your uh, hotel bill." which would move us from a total of 14 to 15. Um, and that's a challenge for hotels to do. That makes them a little less competitive, for the, particularly for the, um, the, the group market than when we're competing against areas like Monterey and such. But um, it's important, and it's the right thing to do for the Valley. Uh, they'll be you know, roughly right now that would bring in about $2.5 million a year uh, into the city and roughly about two and a half million into the county. And because we build most of the county's affordable housing, uh, we would expect a fair bit of that, maybe another million dollars to come in to the city um, to try to make some solutions there. The good part of that is not only does it go to affordable housing, but it can go uh, to what we call the missing middle or this workforce housing that's 120 percent of uh, of the medium income right. so uh, i think we'll have some real programs that will address some of that that'll help with some of that we're fortunate to have the gasser foundation to you know to help with quite a bit of land and move some of this stuff along so um, will we solve it no it's a little bit like homelessness uh, what we want to do is improve it and um and get some of those folks who want to live here living here. Mm-hmm. Right. It is. It's not something that we're ever going to completely solve. I mean, people commute for That's right. a reason. Whether it's uh, you know, pick a city anywhere in the United States, and people are commuting, and it's there's traffic during commute hours. And we don't have a lot of housing site left, and we have expensive housing here in terms of single family housing, and we don't have a lot of land left with the RUL around us to do single, much more single family housing, and certainly not a lot of affordable single family housing. So those folks who want a, a three bedroom, two bath house that they have a yard for the kid and the dog, most of those folks I think in the future are still going to commute as long as Fairfield and as long as Vallejo. Have have land that they can build on and they can build housing in that three to five hundred thousand dollar range that um, which isn't necessarily even new but the move up folks will fill that in you're going to have commuters without a doubt because that's what that's the same reason people commute from Tracy to San Francisco right people commuting from Tracy to Silicon Valley yeah. which is well, yeah. madness super commutes they call them two super hours plus given your realistic attitude about that and and, you know, it, it certainly is clear that, you know, you've thought this through and it, it, it's based on the reality. Why were you talking about something like a moratorium in terms of hotels? What I'm looking for in that is, and what I, my whole goal in that is, is that right now our hotel policy is basically first come, first serve. So 
if your property, if a property, even with a conditional use permit, so if a property could have a hotel, again, even with that uh, CUP, so so all of our industrial park down here, um, uh, some other areas in the north, some areas over to the west, uh, those are all under a conditional use permit would be allowed a hotel. So if a, a developer came in and said, I want to put a hotel here, um, and it qualifies under CUP, our staff would take that application and they would process it. And they would process it with, uh, and, and have that, that then, uh, you know, they would give feedback and they may say, you know, this is what we think, where we think the city is, the county or the council is, but basically they're going to process application. That's what their job is. Um, and then that developer is going to go out and put their efforts to get plans and maybe to do an environmental impact report. For me, that's the wrong plan. And this, a lot of this stemmed from um, the Meritage project down in the South County, down in our industrial mm-hmm. park. You know, when, when, when Tim Bush came along originally and wanted to build a Meritage, we thought it was the greatest thing ever. We didn't have a lot of hotels in, going to put it down in the south part of town. Hey, you're going to build a hotel and put your money in our town. Fantastic. He expanded on that, and then he built another one across the street. And then he came back in just recently and said, I want 250 more rooms. And I thought that was crazy. That's going to put over half our hotel stock down in the corporate park away from our downtown. And if you look at our specific plan, it says we should be congregating our houses, or sorry, our hotel properties around the downtown so they support the downtown, support restaurants, you know, that effort, that energy we're trying to do between downtown and Oxbow. So when that started, that's when I came and said, you know, we need to really have um, a plan, an overall plan. And and at this point now, because the moratorium isn't something that's that's very easily done. You know, the, I went to see the city attorney, and he said, "What's in the process?" Or, or you know, it's harder to find when that is. Is a, is an application already in if it's not complete? So we backed off that, and you had to have four votes, which I didn't have, um, and said, "You know, what I really am looking for is a is a an overlay, if you'd like, or some type of planning process in the general plan." For this next 20 years to say, hey, we should be looking deeply into where hotels should be in our in our city. Should there be properties? There's a property at the very north edge of our city somebody wants to put a hotel on. Uh, should we have any more in the industrial park? Uh, should they be congregated only in the downtown? Should be there anything more on the other side of the freeway, on the western side mm-hmm. of the freeway? So that's all I'm looking for is to say we we absolutely, um, and I've always supported where, where we've been in the tourist-based economy we have and what it does for our city. Um, but we want to plan it right and do it well. And I think that's what the general plan can do. But I think it's really important for our hotels to say hey, to the public, hey, we need to look at this. We need to involve all of you. And then we need to have a, a sort of a uh, – and we're coming forward. We have a new hotel study coming. But that hotel study is just an economic study. And honestly, it says, wow, you can – you can have a whole lot more hotels, and I'm not sure I agree with that. So I think we need to work on that. But general plan is the, really the place that I want to try to promote that. Talk about the Oxbow District, what's happening there, and, and how you think that's moving along. Yeah, the Oxbow District, we're really working to create um, kind of its own space. Um, it was supposed to be done in the specific plan. We ran out of time to do uh, this catalyst study just on the on the Oxbow itself, and that's kind of coming around now. Uh, we just finished the specific plan for the uh, uh, the the previous theater uh, site, the Cynodome site, we call it, uh, behind uh, Cole's Chop House. And that should get the council pretty quick, and I think we're going to get some development started at with some housing and some more retail up there to kind of go along the edge of the Oxbow Cut. 
Um, the rest of the Oxbow, obviously, we don't have a lot of land. Um, it's going to, speaking of hotels, uh, you know, the, uh, the hotel at the wine train is in process, and that'll be coming forward. It's a very interesting design, like the Union Station Hotel right. in, uh, in Denver, which I think is great, very cool. They're doing a really interesting, creative um, idea for to house their own employees, and there may be some hiccups with that at the state, but we're trying to get that approved to where they would build literally, you know, employee housing uh, on Saw School on their own site. They would build the whole thing. So that's going to be exciting. But the Oxbow itself, um, with that addition, uh, with what we still going on, there's a little expansion to the to the uh, Weston, and then um, you know the real caveat is going to be what we do and what happens over on what we call the South Parking Lot. So we're parking, you know, strain there now. We're using that South Parking Lot, both the Oxbow is and the surrounding businesses and Copia to some extent for parking, and that's been purchased. Um, by Wayne O'Connell, he's a developer here in town, and and Wayne wants to develop it without a hotel. No hotel, Wayne. Um, but uh, he's going to put housing on there, and and how? Why no hotel it. there? Well, again, I you know it's a great site for housing. So for me, um, we already have the hotel site across the street at at. Um, uh, what we call the Ritz site. The Ritz Carlton let's site, call it, right. Let's just call it, I'm trying to get it to just call it First and Silverado Trail or First and the Trail, I think. So uh, that's 353 rooms. Uh, you got an expansion of the West End. You got an expansion, or you got the wine train coming in. So for me, that's a great opportunity to do more mixed, more mixed uh, retail mixed in with uh, a housing so housing sites in there for again for me just a better planning for that especially along the river where we can do some really great housing it won't be you know there's gonna be a mix of i think higher end housing and um some multifamily or some high density sort of condo development but that's so the big challenge there is what we're gonna do with that parking and how we're gonna park that talk a little bit about how over all of these years you've stayed enthusiastic and engaged about this i mean when you decided to run for re-election this time, I, I, you know, it's fair to say that a lot of people said, well, you know, he's burnt out, he's over it, you know, Peter's not going to run again, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But there was a sense that, you know, you can only do these jobs. I mean, I, years ago, a member, uh, a U.S. senator from another state told me he had been in uh, in the Senate for, I think, 12 years or 18. He said, you know, you get burnt out. You can only do these jobs for so long. Right. Talk about that. You know, I think, and, and it's funny you said that, because I think that's the real difference. Um, I have no interest in partisan politics, and I have no interest in Sacramento or, or federal government. Um, that's a, I think that I would see that as being a real change, challenge, something you could really would. You would get burnt out on that. You're you're working deals all the time, or you're working on. You know, I listen to Bill as Bill's talking about the twin tunnels or the the bullet train to nowhere, and you know the frustrations would just be significant. Where in local politics, it's it's really you know something you get to see the fruits of your effort every single day when you come into town, and so whether you know it's I'm driving through streets that are paved or I see houses repainted or hotels have been developed or nice restaurants um, you know I really get a sense of accomplishment um, when uh, you know when I look at our community and so for me that's that's really the uh, what I get what I get out of it so and I've said to people it's, I don't have a lot of hobbies you know this is I don't play golf and I, I don't fish once a year you know type of thing uh, I travel I like to travel 
but I also, I do in my work, I travel all over the Bay Area. And so I've learned a lot over 12 years. I've learned a lot about planning and I've learned a lot about mm-hmm. development and I've learned how cities work. And, and so now every time I go to different cities around the Bay Area, I'm always looking at all these different cities and what they do. Uh, I work very closely right now with Fremont and San Mateo. We have an ice rink in San Mateo. We're building one in Fremont. And so I really get a chance to look at them very closely and see what they're doing. That's, um, that's different. Matter of fact, uh, we have a program, what's called a, a park ranger program now that came directly from as a result of what San Mateo did in their park ranger program. So for me, that's, that's kind of what I get out of it. Um, I've, of, I've often told people, listen, I'm a, I'm a middle child. I'm used to dealing with the whiners and the entitled and trying to find middle ground. And so, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm able to do that. I think when we work with residents, we work with folks who there's always somebody not happy. Somebody once said that, you know, politics is half the room loves you and half of them hate you uh, because you have to make decisions. But it's never been anything where I've ever gone home of any decision I've ever made at council um, and said, I didn't do my homework or I, I didn't pay attention or I didn't make the right decision for either lack of trying or not studying the issue. Um, I've always felt that I've, I've done or made the decision that was the right one for me based on what I thought the citizenry wanted out there. Even Napa Oaks? Even Napa Oaks, Jeff. <laughs> you know, I think Napa Oaks belongs in the general plan, and we spent a lot of time talking about that um, and having that discussion with uh, the residents and having them involved in that kind of discussion. Um, that's it's on the edge of town. Um, it's it, it's a it takes a general plan change, and for me, I'm the, the general a, a general plan change for me is a very significant thing. I I lost on a vote on Riverside Drive, four to one vote, and because. Um, some additional affordable housing we really need, but a developer wanted to put in some some uh, additional units on his apartment complex, and he asked for a uh, general plan change to go up higher than he needed to go high than he needed to. And the reason it bothered me is that folks bought their house next door, fixed their house up, had a beautiful house down by the river. And now they're going to look at, you know, I don't know what it was, 45 feet of housing next to them, not right up against them. But I've always said to residents, you know, if you buy a house or you're going to invest in this town, go look at the general plan because that is the Bible of how we're going to develop this town. Doesn't mean it can't be changed, but that's really, you know, really our our roadmap for how we develop. And so, again, back to, to Napa Oaks, you know, that general plan change at that time for me was and they did a lot of mitigation but mm-hmm. it was still um it it you know one year away we're starting it now we're selecting the committee next week um that'll be the steering committee uh, we're just too close to that to not bring that back to the general plan and what do you think will be the important issues with respect to that new general plan you know housing density is going to be one of the biggest issues and and um i think People should be aware of that. Uh, as we look at multifamily sites and areas where we can build apartments and condos around town, uh, I'll give you one example, and that's the um, uh, the Health and Human Services, the old Health and Human right. Services uh, site from the county over on Old Sonoma Road. You know, that housing in there, that was a big discussion when the county was coming in and kind of leading, uh, probably was a mistake with that, but leading the, um, the discussion about what would come in there, excuse me, is that, uh, you know, the density of that housing in there may be, it's certainly going to probably be at the higher level of what we're used to in the town. As we do the general plan, because we need housing and because we have very little land area left, you know, we're going to go up and we're going to get tighter. And so I think you're going to see densities go up in some areas that um, 
people are going to be having to get comfortable with. Uh, it's going to be, well, there's this many units there. You know, the bigger question will be, how are we going to park it? How are we going to move mm-hmm. people around? You know, tra- traffic is a, a big issue that's becoming bigger. So uh, Do that's you really think the traffic, I mean, people talk about traffic a lot, but you said something that was important a little while ago. You travel around the Bay Area a lot. Yeah. So you see real traffic. Yeah. I mean, Napa, by comparison, is, is pretty minor. Yeah, you, you see real traffic, um, but for the people who are just coming in and out of town at 4 o'clock, it's real here. You know, again, and the reality to me is different because I'm so used to the Bay Area and right. what that traffic is. And it, it used to be if you went to San Francisco, if you got in, you know, by 7 and you left by 3, you were in good good shape. Now That's not true anymore No, at we all. leave here at 5. We leave at 5 to go into San Francisco to get there by 6. Maybe. I mean, again, every every right. day it gets tighter and tighter. Um, and if man, you know, really, it used to be for us the only traffic was going out of town was going south, and now the traffic going uh, going west on uh, out towards Sonoma has grown significantly. So it's it's really um, again, it's all your perspective. If you live here and you don't leave town a lot, it's more traffic. Uh, the internal traffic; those are the things we're working on. Where. Like Browns Valley, as you come out of Browns Valley, you know, the roundabouts that we're putting in, people are going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be a big learning curve. But I believe in them. I really think in the long run they're going to be very functional to move traffic better. Um, you think st- people will ultimately buy into it? I mean, it didn't work too well on uh, East Avenue. That was East not Avenue that Island. was a traffic circle. That was not a roundabout. <laughs> These are true roundabouts designed by Omni Means. Uh, I think they will. Yeah, if you've experienced them, and, and you know they're all over Oregon, they're all over certainly Europe. Um, they're they really work well, particularly when traffic's light, but they work so well to get to move traffic through even as it's busy. But there's going to be, and these are a little different, and there's a couple in a row, so you're going to have to get used to a little bit if you haven't been to Europe or haven't dealt with traffic circles. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe we're going to have docents in there driving people around <laughs> showing them how to do it. I'm not quite sure. I think in all the hotels we're going to put up maps. This is how you do a roundabout. Um Unfortunately, the one in East Avenue that we're supposed to build is going to be put off a couple of years. We're having trouble with Caltrans getting the one built that matters right. to, to right. us because right. <laughs> we live on that side of town. But, the um, yeah, I think they matter. State 1B funding is going to help Jamison Canyon uh, right there as it goes into uh, Interstate 80 heading uh, heading into Fairfield. They're going to put another lane in there so you won't merge down to one lane. Hopefully, we'll get our what's called the Sosco flyover on the very south right. part of our town done. I mean, when I say done, this means four or five years down the road because that's how long it takes. But, um, you know, I think we're at least putting money towards it between State 1B money, our Measure T money, uh, and now, uh, you know, we, we're repairing uh, our roads and streets mm-hmm. with our 10-mile program. So we have a good plan at least Let's bring it uh, a little closer to home, certainly city council home, and that is uh, an awful lot of talk about this new city hall, new civic center, yeah. where we are on it, and where you would like to see it go from here. You know, it's a, uh, it, you know, obviously I talk about a lot right now, and it's a, um, it, it's a hard thing to get, a hard thing to understand because of the the way it was initially set up, and that's unfortunate because. Um, Design build is hard enough to understand. You know, it's it's most people get that you if you we go out to bid and somebody gives us a bid on a project and they build it and that's the price. Maybe it goes up a little bit. Design build really says you'll, um, you know, we're going to award a project to somebody in this case plenary group and uh, give them a rough idea of the funding and what we want and then they get to kind of morph that. Uh, for a year saying that maybe you should do this and we come up with new ideas and in the end and in the end of this year sometime around November 
um, you know, we're supposed to get a, an envelope across the desk, as they say, and says this is the final price. That price can't go up or down. That price is fixed. It's not um, in the, the way this model works. That being said, you know, this thing's changed a lot in many ways. And so uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the subcommittee with uh, Mayor Teckel uh, overseeing the, the, the council subcommittee. I don't, a lot of people don't know there's actually one now because, you know, we're, we're trying to get the information out as we get it. But it's changing uh, in so many ways and, and options from uh, where we would swing out to to now whether we even should swing out and, and whether we should stay in the properties we have and, and then we have, you know, you've interviewed John Salmon, I know, and, and John had his own kind of philosophies about what was going on. And, and so we, we looked at some of those and said, you know, what should we, you know, implement, like, for, for example, the parking um, outside of, of the building instead of inside. John was absolutely right that that's a ridiculous waste of expensive real estate, park it outside where it doesn't cost anything. And sure enough, we were able to, um, to uh, you know, uh, close down the street right there, one of the streets, just a little in between streets, and turn that into secure parking. So a lot of that's, you know, ebbing and flowing. Um, I think, you know, we're moving into a time where we're really looking at do we want to, the, the, the swinging out and the moving, you know, one of the biggest challenges I don't think we saw up front was how hard it is to move evidence from a police department. This has been one of the crazy things. So evidence has to be kept for 100 years now in your police departments on on uh, most cases, certainly on your major crimes. And, you know, it has to be you know, so watched as it changes from one location to the other because right. it's evidence. And so, you, you know, the, the logistics of this is crazy. And to think that we were going to move this out somewhere and then move it back somewhere was going to be a real challenging thing. Um, so now we're just really discussing whether that's something we want to do uh, or just keep PD where it is, which means change is a super block kind of concept. Um, I do think that we agree on the council that we, we want to keep PD integrated within uh, City Hall. Some people don't agree with that. Uh, the union at, at the, the, the PLA doesn't agree with that. Sorry, not PLA. I have that in my mind these days. Um, the, uh, uh, the police union doesn't right. agree with that. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, that doesn't mean the, the rank and file and, and some of the management of police uh, don't agree with it. Uh, we think we have a good plan. We think we want our, our PDB to be part of the community, which means being part of City Hall. And <clears throat> it gives us the flexibility to build to a little different standard if we're building theirs, theirs to that, having uh, police and fire admin there as well, and then fire across the street. So... Um, I can tell you that costs have gone up, uh, escalated about 9% is all in terms of materials. And so, uh, you know, we're still looking at this. You know, there's no number to speak of, but really the number is is without swinging out, if we don't swing out um, of City Hall, uh, which is, again, something we'll really investigate right now and taking a hard look at and that I'm really a hard taking a hard look at. Uh, where we would sell the super block to Plenary, but then we would lease it back from them. Uh, you know, that number's around $100 million now for the whole project. The other big change is that, you know, this was always based on our long-term financial plan. And so, you know, part of that was that, hey, there had to be a hotel down there. You know my stance on hotels, right. which was like, you know, there should be treated like every other hotel project. This isn't, you don't get to build a hotel just because you're doing city hall. So if we really took that off the table, that changed our long-term financial plan a little bit. 
Then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and sometimes you just don't even know when these things are going to get funded, uh, the St. Regis Project, which is now going to be built by Aubert's, which is in the Stanley Lane area, right. uh, out behind the trees. You won't even see this this uh, hotel. Um, that got funded. Uh, we moved that from out in our long-term you know, possibilities, which is really 10 years out, and pulled it up to about two years out because they broke ground already. And so that really changed our financial model because that is extremely high-end hotel that brings in five to six million dollars a year into the uh, revenue stream of the city. So that means we don't really have to, you know, gave us, gave us more flexibility in terms of looking at how we could fund the city hall and when that crossover line would be to where what we're paying on um, on the project and what we're bringing in in additional revenue as well as what we're uh, uh, you know, where that crosses mm-hmm. the bond expense and that short-term lending expense or borrowing expense. So uh, we're still moving forward. Uh, I think, again, we expect something in November. You know, we're pushing, pushing, pushing to get uh, plenary to be better about getting communication out, to get our team to be better about getting communication out. We've had turnover, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Parnes left right. in the middle of it. So that's a little bit of a challenge. Um, um, How has that impacted the project, as you see it? You know, it's just that uh, – I think that that it's given us a chance to, you know, Mike was the driver. He really was. And and he had the model that he really liked. And the best way, it's not just design, build. It's design, build, finance, operate, and maintain. And the best way I can describe this to you, it's buying a house. And 30 years from now, um, that house will be built to the level that 30 years from now, 85% of the quality of that house, the HVAC system, the roof, the foundation, everything 35, 30 years from now would be at the 85% quality level that it is the day you build it. It's a great kind of concept. It's really hard to get your hands around, and it's really hard. I understand most of the numbers pretty well. It's still really hard to understand the financials of that. We have a, you know, we have a team. We have a financial team that studies all that. That was Mike's real model that he was interested in long beach did it they seem to be very happy with theirs i'm not sure if that's the right model for us so trying to get back to really focusing on just the city hall not the expanded project just the design build concept of that instead of the whole fom model on top of it that's what i'm really focused on now and i'm i think that's getting that's growing in terms of within the council and within you know the management with steve and and uh or other or mm-hmm. other um, people who are working on this project. So that's the biggest difference. I think, you know, the really significant difference between Steve and Mike is, you know, Steve's very grounded. He's very, as I mentioned earlier, he's very much um, a local here and, and really believes in trying to find the best for the locals in the city of Napa and the residents here. And we talk about that a lot when we meet together versus Mike, who was kind of, you know, and this isn't a negative thing. This is it's what we needed at the time. Mike was very financially focused. He's basically a CPA uh, that knew how to look towards building, which which is effectively a business. He took us from a $60 million in revenue stream to a $100 million revenue stream, but that and funded all these reserves. So it just means we're protected. It's like having you know, money in the bank and your savings account's full, and you're just going to be protected between anything bad happening, um, any downturns in the economy. You know, we're not going to take the hit we've never taken before. You mentioned earlier that uh, as far as you were concerned, you know, you saw local politics different than being in Sacramento or being in Washington. 
but certainly more and more things that are sort of in the national psyche as far as politics are concerned, the extremes, you know, that filters down even to local communities these days. And, and there's probably no better example of that here than the rancor that went along with the Measure C campaign. Correct. Clearly that filters down. What are you seeing in that regard? How do you feel that? How does it impact the day-to-day of, of being on the city council and making decisions? Yeah, you know, I, I, I get nervous these days because, as I talked about, we had, you know, 10, 12 really solid years that there, um, there wasn't a lot of change in philosophy. The philosophy was working to get, uh, you know, the, to, to make the best for the community. People don't know it right now. We have a, you know, we have a Republican-controlled council. It sounds nutty because it's not really what drives us. But there's three Republicans on the council and there's two Democrats. Um, that's fine. It, it, you know, I think Jill one time award, won the Democrat of the Year award for some organization because she's never been a Democrat. She's always been a Republican. It's not about her personal philosophies, whatever those are. I don't even know what they are. It's really about what's good for the community and what's good um, for the residents. And so, uh, you know, and, and Jim Kreider was the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think now we're, we're seeing, um, more of, of this polarization that you see in this, in, in the national campaigns. And that's got me really nervous when you see, and it's not so much in, uh, certainly, you know, the things that we have jurisdiction over are, are completely different. Uh, you know, there's no Roe versus Wade, uh, discussion amongst, uh, council members, but, but there certainly is labor versus business or, um, you know, some of that aspect of, of um, you, you know, those, those, those parts of, uh, of, I think, what, if we want to call it the left and the right and those philosophies and, and how they can impact local governments. And we see that somewhat in, in Vallejo when we saw Vallejo go broke, uh, the impact from the, the, the pushing, pushing, pushing and, and getting electives in there that were so far to one side that they approved contracts that should never have been approved that when they without reserves so that when they had the downturn, they, they, they forced them to go into bankruptcy. And I don't want to see that come for our community. I'm very nervous about that in the future. So, but it's very difficult because, you know, certainly uh, groups on both sides are the groups that are funding campaigns and that are putting the people out to knock on doors. And, and so I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to be what comes out of this, but you certainly start to feel some of that uh, edging into political campaigns on, in, the citizen, in the city of Napa. Do you hear it? Just one more thing. Do you hear it when you knock on doors, when you go talk to people? You know, somebody that ran for city council once years ago, well, not that many years ago, but years ago, said, you know, they'd go to knock on doors and they'd start talking to people. And the first question was, or the second question, you're Republican or a Democrat? Yeah. Say, it's city council, it's a nonpartisan race, you know, the yada, yada, yada. Okay, fine. Is your Republican or Democrat? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I tell a story eight years ago when I ran was my first time I was running for re-election, and Mike Thompson endorsed me. I went and asked him. Mike said, "Oh, you seem to be doing a good job." And so Mike endorsed me, and we put a, a quote of Mike's and his picture on the back of my brochure that I went door to door with. And so they'd look at the front of my brochure and they'd say, "Napa City Council, Peter Mott for Napa City Council." Look in the middle, turn it over, and see Mike's picture on there, and said, "Mike Thompson supports you." I don't think I can support you. And I'm like. I'm just trying to pave your streets, man, and, and you know, hire cops. Uh, it's a different – but people will. People will, will, will be so nervous that you're going to either move up or that, um, you know, you're, that is going to be the, 
that manifestation of national politics is going to be what you are displaying at a local level. And it's very hard to get people to accept that that's not what it is. It's easier if you've been on the council, I think, and you can say this is my track record and this is what I've done. But um, it is. You get a lot of people who are saying, you know, and I go to every door. Uh, I have a you know, interesting philosophy to, to campaign. But I, you know, if you're a high propensity voter, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or independent, I'm going to knock on your door uh, and try to talk about, uh, you know, the community. And it's a great time to get feedback. It's a great time to meet right. people. But absolutely, you're, get, you're seeing that. I see that as I go out there. Speaking of moving up, you're going to run for mayor again? So I'm running for council right now. Um, you know, I I uh, I think Jill's done in two years, and let's just wait and see how this one shakes out, and then we'll and then we'll have that discussion, Jeff. But that's not uh, it's, no. it's the only one that I'm. <laughs> it's the only position I'm interested in. Let's put it that way. There was a rumor out the other day that I was going to run for Billy's seat on the on the supervisors, and I called Billy right away and said that's somebody out there on the farm bureau. They told me who it was, who I didn't even know. Uh, putting that out there, I have no interest in running uh, for supervisor. I think. Actually, I'm in District 5, and that's going to forever be an American Canyon seat. But I would like to be mayor someday. If the timing works, it's good for my family, if it's good for my business. Uh, but we'll need to get I, – I don't put the cart before the horse. So right now, let's just get through this race, and then we'll have that discussion later. Peter Mott, I thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Jeff. Thank Great you. to be here. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.